Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training, A Constructional Guide to Becoming Your Horse's Best Friend, and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Dominique and I recently spent an afternoon catching up and going through topics she's been collecting from my new book, Modern Horse Training, and also from the online clinics. Last week, the focus was on working both sides of your horse. Something we're often told when we're in lessons is we have to work both sides equally during a training session. As always, it is go to people for opinions and horses for answers. So what we talked about is what are the answers that the horses have given us about whether or not we need to worry about working both sides of the horse. And what strategies can we use to help a horse to become comfortable and well-balanced on both sides? Because ultimately, that is what we want. We want a horse that allows us on both, both sides. We want a horse who is functional and well-balanced and emotionally at ease, whichever side you happen to be working, left side, the right side. So that's what we looked at last week. And we stopped just as Dominique was changing the topic to Piaf. And before you turn off this episode, I want to jump in to say to all of you who don't think of yourselves as dressage riders and who don't dream of teaching your horse to Piaf, that this episode really will be relevant to you. You know, very often if you're a trail rider, to you Piaf may mean a horse who jigs all the way back to the barn. And that's really the point. What we're going to be talking about is changing energy levels, going from deeply relaxed and settled to full of the kind of energy that can be channeled into performance. So whether you're working with a dressage horse, where the goal really is Piaf, or you're working in some other performance goals, what we need are horses who can be full of energy, full of life, responsive to our requests, comfortable in the environment, and yet remain deeply relaxed so that they can remain connected to us. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. So let's jump in to see where the conversation takes us. Another topic which I thought was interesting. It was about Piaf. Oh, yeah. So in French, we say piafi, you know, because there's a, that little accent yes. on the E. But I know in English you say piaf. So we'll say piaf. Yeah, it was very interesting because so in this answer, you were in this. It's, this was in the online clinic again. And you were talking about the road between high energy and calm. Uh-huh. And so you were giving the example for instance of a trail rider on his way on her way back to the barn with a horse who is piaffing all the way back so it's like this super tense super intense energy all the way back which you said you would not enjoy sitting on 
versus some piaf you would seen from Nuno Oliveira, where, you know, as soon as he stopped, the horse was super relaxed and calm, and it was a completely different kind of energy. So do you want to talk about that? So, so piaf is a natural movement. You know, when you see horses that are displaying to, uh, say, it's a stallion that is displaying, they will puff themselves up to make themselves look bigger. And they will move like, parallel to the other horse. So that you're not seeing them from the front end, you're seeing them from the side. So they look bigger and they will suspend their movement. And you could say that these suspended movements, there, there's a conflict between, I would love to attack you. I really want to attack you, but I'm afraid. <laughs> of attacking you. And what I'd also like to do is leave. And so right. instead, I'll just puff myself up and get bigger and, and and look really threatening. Threatening, yes. So, you know, you could say that it has its roots in that kind of emotional conflict. Mm. But that's not what I want to ride. And I've heard Piaf described as feels like you're sitting on a cannon that's about to explode. That's not what I want to ride. And that's not a good quality piaf. That what you want is this feeling of deep, deep, deep relaxation. And yet there's all this energy. Right. And so it's, it seems like such a conflict of ideas. How can you be deeply relaxed and so collected, engaged, and full of energy both at the same time. And mm -hmm. I think that this is sits again at the core of what we're looking for in this work and what sets it apart from some other forms of training that I've seen. Mm -hmm. In that we want that feeling of deep, deep, all is wellness within the horse. So whatever energy level that, that you can ask for, all of this energy, and then immediately go back to calm. Because the horse is feeling deeply safe in his being. He's not feeling afraid of what you, the rider, are going to do to him. Mm -hmm. He's not feeling afraid of the environment. He, he doesn't expect pain. He doesn't expect pain. He doesn't expect conflict. He asks for things he cannot do, but he has just this deep pervading sense, all prevailing sense of all is well. I mean, that was one of the things that I really appreciated and was so astounded by in the Icelandics that they just seemed to, have this in their being. They're, they're little sports cars. I mean, that's the best way to describe an Icelandic is you're riding a sports car and you can go super, super fast and just be zooming along. And then you say, and let's stop. And the horse goes, okay. And all the adrenaline will just be out of their system. It's extraordinary. Particularly compared with some of the anxious thoroughbreds that I have worked with, 
where the the adrenaline doesn't seem to dissipate in their system. They just seem <gasps> wired. But mm. it doesn't have to be that way. They don't have to be that way. And so what we want to train is this sense of you can settle. You can settle. And what does settle mean? And that again is one of those things that we need that needs to be explored in ourselves as well as for our horses. Because most of us really struggle with settling. You know, yes, when you've, you're just waking up from a really good sleep and you know that, that feeling that you have that you don't really want to get up because everything just feels so relaxed and the, and the bed feels so comfortable because you've let go of a lot of the tension, the holding that mm. is your daytime pattern. And and so it feels really good to just lie there. And then you get up and you move around and those habit patterns of holding come into play. So even when you say, oh, yes, I've just relaxed my shoulders. Well, they're still holding. You haven't settled. You haven't really settled. And there's a well, difference. you know, just think of how difficult it is for a lot of people to meditate. Yes. Yes. Because we're so into all our to-do list and, you know, it's hard to settle and to just be there. And settling does not mean emptying. Relaxing does not mean. So when we talk about the deep relaxation that we're looking for in the horses, that's not let's go limp because you can't carry a rider (laughs) if you're limp so that's not really what we're talking about but it is that moving from the settling calmness of a good solid grown-ups are talking into give me energy into a doing and then settle again and then give me energy and then settle again and so that when the performance demands go up that your horse can produce this energy and settle. When you have, when you ask for head lowering, head lowering and being calm go together. They're a sort of a natural fit because when horses are grazing, their heads are down. Fairly obvious statement. And and horses spend hundreds of hours grazing. And they will graze when they feel safe. So unless they're really hungry, they're not going to graze. They're not going to put their head down. If there's something threatening in the environment, there's something threatening in their the environment, their head is going to be up. And when they've satisfied themselves that things are really okay, then they'll put their heads down and they'll relax. And so having their heads down becomes associated with, I feel safe, I feel calm. The world is okay. So the more I ask for a head down, the more I can trigger and connect with those feelings of the world is fine. I feel safe. Everything is okay. So when I ask for head lowering, I'm looking for an emotional state that is a match with the physical expression of head lowering. When I'm asking for a piaf, 
the natural emotional state that goes along with the feet prancing up and down, which is a crude description of Piaf and sort of cringe when I say it, but because that's not really Piaf, but we'll, we'll stay with that for now. The natural emotional state of that is I'm feeling in conflict. I'm feeling anxious. anxious and I'm feeling full of fizzy energy. And what we want to get to. And is, the way it is thought traditionally may favor all this to promote this kind of emotional absolutely, state. Absolutely. And what we want to get to is you, you're changing the emotional state that is connected with a physical action. And that's really fascinating. When you follow the progression of lessons and you see how you are disconnecting the fizz from physical expression that would normally be associated with fizzing energy. And instead, you're getting this deep, calm relaxation that is occurring within all of this energy. I suspect that some of the top, and I don't know this, but I suspect many of the top athletes, and I think about divers and people of that sort, that they are able to operate in that state because they are generating this power that they must bring to the fore to produce those exquisite dives where they're doing triple backflip somersaults and all the rest on the way down. And yet, They've got to really be able to regulate their emotions in order to perform well. I suspect that they are reaching that state as well, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah, well, it's probably true for most athletes. You you read about that, about even tennis players, you know, that they have. There's a point where they, I think they go into a zone where they're perfectly focused and calm and not even aware anymore of all the that the crowd around them. And I guess when you perform at that level, you have to have that kind of concentrate, calm concentration. And the, the calmness is, is why I wanted to bring this up. Because, you know, if you can get that kind of relaxation in a movement such as Piaf, well, I think for all of us, it's an inspiration that you we can get calm in everything we do. Yes. And we have tools for this. And you've alluded to, to grown-ups earlier. And there's a whole section in the online clinic, what I call the course, called Base Behavior, which really help with stabilizing the training, getting this kind of emotional stability Amongst other things, because it also helps us to build more complex behaviors, it helps. So I want to talk about that a little bit, okay. about the base behavior. Yeah. So just as maybe before we get into it, we talked about earlier, well, we've talked about that how grown-ups can help us stabilize our training, but I want to expand it a little bit to the base behavior idea and We've also talked in previous podcasts about pairing behaviors together. Yeah. So that was already a tool in our box where we could, let's say, 
teach backing and then ask the horse to move forward, teach those in pairs. And we've explained how you can use, you don't have to click each behavior. You can do a little chain of two behaviors where you will use one behavior once it has been taught to reinforce the other behavior. And you do that by cueing the second behavior at a time where you would have clicked normally the first behavior. So we've talked about this, about yes. teaching in pairs like that. And that helps the horses in so many ways because it helps to clarify the cues. Yes. Because the horse is no longer, like let's say you're asking for head lowering. And you're working on duration of head lowering, but now you want to do something else and you expect the horse to understand the difference between this and that. So teaching in pairs, it helps you because there's a contrast between head lowering when I, let's say I'm teaching my horse to lower his head with a movement of my hand down, let's say. Yes. And and then I'm putting my two hands on my belly like you showed us for grown-ups. So there's a clear cue to start lowering my head. And then I know exactly when to stop lowering my head because my handler is going to put her two hands on her belly. And I know that's the end of head lowering and it's the beginning of grown-ups. Yes. And then grown-ups is going to last until she asks me to lower my head again. So there's this contrast that really helps to put behavior under what we call stimulus control. And, and maybe just for people to understand, because that sounds weird, stimulus control, like the behavior is under the control of a stimulus, but we do that all the time in our lives. I mean, when you're approaching a traffic light, and the light is turning red, you put your feet on the brakes. And when yes. the light is turning green, you put your feet on the speeding pedal. So your behavior is controlled by the traffic light. That's yes. what it means to be under stimulus control. So the cue controls the behavior. That's when we say stimulus control, that's what we mean. So we're starting now to have a calmer horse because he's not throwing all these behaviors. He's, he knows exactly what to do when. Yes. As the cues are clear, the cues are telling him, now we're doing this, now we're doing that. We're starting to build more complex little chains. It's no yes. longer just you back up, click treat, or you lower your head, click treat. Now I can start pairing them together. You could be doing backing and moving forward. So you you ask your horse to back and then you present a target and they move forward. You could be doing that, like yes. pairing these two. But you can go another step. You can start using a third behavior, a base behavior. And that's what I'd like for you to talk about. Yeah. So what? why is it a base behavior? You know, why do we call it and what does it help us do? So before we get to the base behaviors, there's so many, you know, just little pieces, ideas that are so important to, to really put in to the mix there. So what we're really describing when we talk about 
teaching in pairs is we're using that core training principle of for every behavior you teach, there's an opposite behavior you must teach to keep things in balance. Mm. And so we're looking for balance, physical right. balance, emotional balance. And as you begin to teach in pairs, what you begin to see is that cues not only turn on a behavior, you can think of them as like a switch. When I say target and hold a target up, I'm turning on the opportunity to touch the target. And I may also be turning off other behaviors. Yes. So if I've just made backing really hot by clicking and reinforcing backing, and I have a horse who's eager to back up, well, I don't always want my horse backing up, but a horse can't do nothing. So one of the mistakes that people will often make is they'll say, but I don't want my, I don't want backing. I, I just want him to do nothing. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like a toddler. I don't, I, I just go, go, you know, just be quiet, do nothing. Yeah. And well, what does doing nothing look like? What does it mean? What is, what is, what does that mean? It means go read a book. Okay. Well, that if the toddler knows how to get a picture book down off the, the the shelf and open it up and look through the picture book, he can do that form of doing nothing. So with the horse, the behavior, when I hold the target up, it becomes an off switch for all the other things that the horse yeah. is just doing. You know, there was a great example in the course. One of the participants, she said she had taught her horse to shoulder target because she, she he needed it to put the fly sheet on him he was not comfortable having okay. the fly sheet put on him so she wanted him to come under the fly sheet and so she saying that she taught him to shoulder target but one of the things she learned also was that anytime she teaches him and this is not uncommon a new behavior it becomes the hot behavior. Yes, and yes. so the horse offers it all the time in the following days. And she really needed an off switch. Yes. And so this was actually an example that was used in the base behavior yes. section, because that's one of the things that right. it'll give you is an off switch when your horse is <laughs> eager. Or... So you can think of a base behavior as the middle zone. Mm. That's for starters, that's a mm. good way of thinking about it. Mm. So if and one of the places where you really see base behaviors being needed, and I think it was Kay Lawrence who really started talking about base behaviors and used that term. And she was looking at a lot of the people who are teaching their dogs to lift a paw. You know, they want to do a high five, for example. So it's lift a paw. Lift, lift the left paw, lift the right paw, lift the left paw. So the dogs get really good at pick up a foot, pick up a foot, pick up a foot. And then what you struggle with is that I can't get the dog to just stand there four on the floor. Mm. And we see that with horses as well, because people like teaching the you know, foot lifts. They like getting the Spanish walk gesture. And they like teaching, you know, lift this foot, then that foot, then this foot. And and again, if you don't teach four on the floor, the middle, you can lose having a horse just standing still. And so you want to think about what does settle look like? 
what does the middle look like? That's my base behavior. So if I'm thinking about, say, a movement cycle, and in a movement cycle, a series of behaviors form one after the other. And when you're in position to begin the movement cycle, again, that marks the beginning and end of the movement cycle. And so you want to think about if I were in grownups or talking, and then I move forward to touch a target, or I move back, I take a few steps back, but in between moving forward to touch a target and backing up, there is stillness. There's four on the floor. And having a base behavior becomes really critical in terms of being able to stabilize behavior. Because otherwise, you're just going from, let me fling this behavior at you, then that behavior at you, then exactly. this at you. And there's, ah, there's no middle. Yeah. Under saddle, when you teach lateral flexions, you can have a horse who's bending to the right and bending to the left. <laughs> and, and they're really, and you touch the, the, the rein a little bit on the right side, and the horse goes to the, into a right flexion and then into a left flexion. But there's no middle. There's no nose looking straight ahead because you've you've put so much emphasis on bending completely to the right, bending completely to the left, that you've missed out stabilizing in the middle. So we need this idea of base behavior. Uh, We need the calm center. What begins to happen is you get the taproot effect. We'll stop here and pick up next time with the taproot metaphor. I know at this point, since we're talking about Piaf and we're teaching horses how to be both very settled and and relaxed and yet still have go-forward energy available, I know many of you are probably saying, tell us how, tell us how. Stop talking in generalities and give us the lessons that will produce Piaf. We want to know how to teach Piaf. And of course, that's not the way training works. A complex behavior such as Piaf is built out of many layers. No matter what training method you're using, you're not going to go directly to something like Piaf. And if you do try to get there without the underlying preparation, you're going to end up with a behavior that is closer to a horse jigging anxiously down a trail rather than the educated train movement that is Piaf. So what we are talking about in this podcast is really constructional training. In constructional training, instead of working directly on a complex behavior, you tease it apart and teach the simpler underlying component pieces. Constructional training is wonderfully efficient. The skills you teach for one lesson are skills you'll need and use in others. We've been talking about teaching behaviors in pairs and then expanding that to develop base behaviors. In the next episode, We're going to expand on this idea even more. I I like to use the foundation lessons to illustrate these concepts because the behaviors that I'm talking about, such as backing and grown-ups are talking, are very familiar to most of you, and they're relatively simple. They're, They're not complex behaviors to teach. So I'm using what are relatively simple behaviors to help us explore complex concepts. If you want to learn more, 
if you want the how-to steps that will take you to advanced performance. I'll refer you to my new book, Modern Horse Training, and to my online clinics. The new book explains in detail the constructional training approach, and then it provides the how-to steps that take you from the foundation skills to advanced performance. And then the clinics complement that by giving you a lot of individual how-to instructions as well as the visuals. You can learn more about the clinics at my website, theclickercenter.com. And you can also learn about the new book, Modern Horse Training, at my website. And you can order it from my website, theclickercenter.com, and also from Amazon and other booksellers. It's available as a hardcover and a paperback edition, as well as an ebook. If you look it up on Amazon, you're going to find some just amazing, amazing reviews. People have been leaving the most wonderful comments. And I have to say, I hugely appreciate the time people take to post these, these reviews. So thank you to everyone who has taken the time to leave a five-star review and also your wonderful comments. They are indeed appreciated. Next time, we'll continue on with taproot behaviors and the development and use of base behaviors. So until then, train well and have fun with your horses. Music